One of the things that we heard over and over again from older people, either people that were done with careers and now were retired or who had raised families and the families were gone, they said, the problem is I just don't feel useful anymore. And that resonated with us because these people were repositories of experience and wisdom and skills. with Growing Older is a nonprofit organization which believes in peer learning and creating discussions which bring the lens of aging to a variety of topics. At Home with Growing Older is proud to be your host of At Home on Air, a bi-weekly radio hour offering connection, community, and knowledge to our participants remotely. Now, we invite you to listen and learn from this live recorded episode of At Home on Air. Welcome to another episode of At Home on Air, conversations that matter for the experiences of later life. I am Susie Stadler, an architect and the executive director of At Home with Growing Older, which produces this program. I'm very pleased to welcome John Milford, the co-founder of Tech Enhanced Life, and Candice Milford, who is the managing director of marketing at Rhoda Goldman Plaza, but more importantly for us, she's the wonderful president of our board. The topic of the conversation is something we all deal with every day, our life and its intersection with technology, which especially is important to us in later life. We encourage you to subscribe on your preferred platform and also share it with others. Last but not least, I would like to encourage others to follow the example of our loyal season sponsors, Rhoda Goldman Plaza and the Walnut Foundation. 80% of our work is done by volunteers and we would love to grow our capacity and programming with more funding. Candice and John, the floor is yours. Well, how Tech Enhanced Life came about because it's actually a post-career venture of John's after a 40-year career in retirement housing. And was confronted with what's next in life. What were the breadcrumbs that you followed to discover this new business? My last opportunity was as executive director of San Francisco Towers, which is a high-end CCRC. I had the opportunity to be there from before it was opened and then operated it for 15 years. We were known in the press as the Versailles on Venice and drew a lot of interest. We had many requests for tours for groups that were out of state and out of the country to see what we were doing. And that was always interesting. One of those groups was from Australia. The uh, CEO of their company, Maroba, was Viv Allenson. We had a nice tour. We had a nice conversation afterwards. And this is the key. At the end of the conversation, Viv gave me a brochure, which she said was for a high-tech product that was coming to market in Australia for long-term care. And she thought we might be interested in having a look at it, even though it wasn't in the US yet. So I thanked her, I looked at it, looked like it had possibilities. And time went on. After a few years, it was time for me to retire, which I did. And I was looking through my Rolodex and I saw her name and I thought, I wonder what's happening with the product. So I called Australia, she picked up, and sure enough, she said that the product has been successful in Australia. 
and that they want to bring it to the U.S. And what's more, they've hired a business consultant in San Francisco. His name is Richard Caro, and you might want to give him a call. Now, this shows the value of connections because if they hadn't come by and dropped off a brochure and I hadn't kept her business card, that would have never happened. So I called Richard Caro. Richard had his own business called Tangible Future, which was bringing startup companies to market for products that didn't belong to universities or to large corporations, but people were bringing up as a startup. I called Richard and I told him that Viv Allenson had given me his contact information and that I was in the long-term care field here in California. And he said, John, I think I'm ready to talk to someone like you. And sure enough, I was able to spend eight or nine months orienting him to the long-term care field here in California, you know, skilled nursing facilities and assisted living facilities and the like. This was an education for him and it was an opportunity for me. So this is something that developed without having planned it after retirement, and I was really pleased to do that. And it wasn't long before Richard said to me, John, I think there's a a real opportunity to help people in this field of aging and technology. And the reason he said that was because he's quite familiar with the Silicon Valley syndrome of young engineers and designers raising money to develop products for older adults without having any understanding of the real problems of people in their 80s and 90s. The venture capitalists would go along with it, put up a million dollars, they'd build a prototype, and nobody would want it. So he said, I think we have an opportunity to engage the older population in conversation with these younger people to bring forth products that are helpful and that older people can use. So that started our opportunity. Now, we began by interviewing dozens and dozens of people who were in the age group 75 to 100 years old. What worked for them? What didn't work for them? What did they wish would be available to them as they get older at home. In that process, one of the things that we heard over and over again from older people, either people that were done with careers and now are retired, or maybe women who had raised families and the families were gone and they were living alone. And they said, the problem is I, I just don't feel useful anymore. And that resonated with us because these people were repositories of experience and wisdom and skills. And they were on the sidelines and we thought there was a better situation for them than that. So we formed some discussion groups of these older folks. We talked to them again about what products work for them, what products don't, what they'd like to see and so forth. It became popular. We had five discussion groups in the Bay Area, and then expanded out into other parts of California and actually have groups in a number of states now and even internationally. All of these have discussions that contribute material that we collate and publish on our website, Tech Enhanced Life. It's an anthology of what older people have to say, and we're quite proud of that. The latest international interest we've gotten is from an agency of the Canadian government, which has signed an agreement with us 
It's the Canada Center for Aging and Brain Health Innovation, CABHI. They like what we're doing. They want to be involved in what we're doing, and we're happy to have them involved. So we've gone from an introduction, an idea, an opportunity to do something for an older age group, and now we have a platform. You coined a phrase that is just delightful for these groups. Would you share that with us, what you call these people? We call our members longevity explorers. People come join the website. If they want to be part of a discussion circle or a topic discussion, they join up to be longevity explorers. We have thousands now. They've contributed enough discussion material that we have over a thousand pages of resource opportunities, product reviews. We even have selection guides If a person is looking for a certain type of medical alert device, for example, we have a selection guide that helps them pick the two or three that are most likely to be best for their life situation, and then they can decide and go get it. We don't sell anything on our website, and we don't charge anybody. That's what I find unique about this website is that when you go to it, it's a serious site that is all about content. There's no ads, no pop-ups. You go there because you have a specific issue that you want to investigate or learn more about. So you've already told us there's about a thousand pages. It's very, very deep. What else is on the website? Also do share Richard's background a little bit because he's a scientist. And that has resulted in some very interesting studies. That's very true. Richard Carroll was introduced to me as Dr. Richard Carroll. Richard has a deep education in physics and was on the faculty at Stanford in physics and then was on a team that brought products to market, Lasix being one of them. He is a uh, scientific thinker. He's very careful about his approach to things and everything on the website is absolutely academically first class. We simply present what's available and what people in the older age group have to say about those things. Give us an example of a study that he's done that our audience would be interested in knowing about. Well, one of the most recent ones is having to do with hearing loss. We have a discussion group of people from all over the country that come in on Zoom and talk about some of the problems that they have with hearing loss, some of the solutions that they themselves have found and can advocate. They also talk about what they you know, wish were available. Home monitoring systems is another one that is very popular. There are dozens and dozens of home monitoring systems. Our article describes these systems in terms of complexity and then helps people fit their life situation to a monitoring system that would be best for them. We use the idea of personas. In other words, a person who lives in a small apartment, doesn't go out much, and is not real active would use one type of monitoring system and it would be fine for them. Other people are out and about active and need something that has cellular connections so that they can stay in touch while they're out and about. And so many times, if an adult child wants to buy something for their parent, this can help them pick a system that the parent can use and enjoy and benefit from instead of going out, paying a lot of money and buying something, hoping it'll work, and the parent puts it in a drawer and that's the end of it. Right. There's another one for watches. 
There's an excellent article on watches as medical alert devices. One of our most popular and consistently busy pages is what's the best toenail clipper for older people? We've had discussion circles on this. We've published our findings and we find that's one of the busiest pages that we have. Another one is fall prevention. People are concerned about falling. And so we have a deep resource bin of articles about how a person can condition themselves to prevent falling. We even have a physical therapist who did an example how to get up safely if you're alone at home and you fall. How do you get back up safely? And she goes through all the stages as to how to get up to where you can get to a phone to call somebody. I think right now the busiest that we have is to do with examples of medication dispensing devices, ones that work on the internet that can be preloaded a month at a time. Maybe a pharmacist mails out everything a person needs and a helper loads the machine. And then for the month, it reminds people at the right time to take the right medicine. Another thing that's really busy right now is smart home devices. We have several contributors that are writing about smart home devices that are particular for certain problems, like the problem of an overflowing bathtub, a person that turns on the tub, then goes in the other room to lie down for a few minutes and then forgets that the tub is running and pretty soon they flooded the apartment. There are devices that will intercept that and stop the flow of water so that it doesn't happen. Same thing with gas on a stove or electricity. If a stove is turned on, it'll turn it off again after a certain amount of time so you don't have a kitchen fire. Beyond the discussion groups, what are the opportunities for people to participate? One of the things that we learned was that companies were spending time on our website listening to the discussions that our explorers were having on particular topics. And before long, they began to contact us and to ask us on their behalf to form a workshop to put certain questions confidentially to these groups and then give them a curated report of what people say. And we do that. Every time we do, the call for volunteers brings in many, many, many more people who are wanting to do it than we can accommodate. So this is a very popular thing. It's like a focus group then. Well, it's better than a focus group because these are people who are used to looking at this type of thing about emerging products and things like that. This is not just 12 random people off the street who get $50 for two hours worth of listening. The other thing that these companies get when they hire us to do that is that they get a curated report. Sometimes a startup company is trying to save money and their concept of getting the opinion of older people is to take a box of donuts to a senior center and sit down and ask people questions and, and gather their information that way. That, that's really not very uh, productive. And the other thing is that we believe that nobody should work for nothing. And so everyone who participates in our workshops receives a stipend for doing so. And we think that's only fair. The balance of what we receive goes to support the expenses of operating our website. Which is a public benefit corporation. It is a public benefit corporation. We're a PBC. And that means that we are able to make a profit. Hopefully someday that'll happen. But we also can have a mission. So a nonprofit has certain tax exemption benefits and so forth. We don't have that. But we are able to have a mission. 
And we're here for a public benefit. And hopefully more than that. Who are some of these corporations you work for? Those are confidential. But I will say that one is a worldwide corporation that works now in the intersection of artificial intelligence and technology. And we've had 12 or 14 workshops with them. And we have others that are looking to develop other types of products. As close as Silicon Valley, they're as far as Israel. And these all, you know, are paying attention to the website. They're asking for our help in developing their products. People participate in the website in other ways. Go to Tech Enhanced Life, then just become a member. Doesn't cost anything. But that does allow for you to receive newsletters if you like or not. We list our new members on the homepage. And then there's an opportunity to become a longevity explorer if you would like to do that. We have lots of interest from people who individually would like to be explorers. We also have contacts that want to form a group. We can help them form a local group. These are recorded. Tell us a little bit about what you do with those recordings. Well, each meeting of Longevity Explorers is led by Richard Caro, who's an excellent facilitator and brings out a lot of important knowledge from the group as they discuss. These are recorded, and then after they're recorded, they're edited, and each discussion topic has its own webpage. So that if you go on Tech Enhanced Life and you search a certain topic, you can see the pages of the discussions that address that topic. You can also search for individual products or articles. And speaking of articles, that's another area where there's interaction with people who participate. We have a number of people who make comments on the homepage. We list the most recent comments and links to the articles they're commenting on. And it's active. Articles vary from loneliness to co-housing for seniors to smart homes. So we have an expert in co-housing that's written an article. We have another a retired tech person, and he's writing articles now on smart homes, you know, smart kitchens, smart bathrooms, and that's gotten a, a lot of traction. And we welcome articles from people who have interest in these areas. Candice, one of your staff members, wrote an excellent article about the use of robotic pets with people who have dementia. And it is on Tech Enhanced Life. Your organization has 10 or 12 robotic pets, and they're very popular and very yeah. helpful to older people. Yeah, the person who wrote that is a uh, licensed therapist. So she brings a very interesting perspective to how to introduce them to people with dementia and, and honor their dignity, et cetera. But it's all on the website. If you're interested in that subject, it's a very, very interesting article. This website is helping address the dignity of people as we all age. And it's a very interactive opportunity for people, not just to go there for information, but they can listen to audio. They can submit articles for consideration for publishing. We do see a changing view of, of age and ageism out there in the world. It's very interesting that eight years ago, you, you kind of caught that trend earlier than others. And here's a great opportunity to participate. Is there anything else that you would like to share? We consider that what we're doing is valuable and we're happy to be there.
You are listening to At Home On Air. We are now switching to questions by participating audience members in this recorded live episode. If you want a chance to ask your question, visit us at athomewithgrowingolder.org and register for the next live episode. One statement here says, my experience is that there is plenty of startup money for apps and software, but not for assistive devices. Do you have the same experience? By assistive devices, I'm wondering if that meant walkers and wheelchairs, things of that sort. Well, I'm not an expert in the field of venture capital, but software probably captures the imagination of investors more than hardware. It takes a great deal to bring forth a prototype of a piece of hardware or an assistive device. I suspect that's a longer journey and probably more expensive. What are some of the specific products that the Longevity Explorers have reviewed? Oh, dear. Well, let's see. They have spent time reviewing canes, canes that are lighted, that are more stable, things like that, for mobility. People are interested in mobility. That led to their reviewing walkers, rollators, and one of our explorers actually invented an off-road walker because she wanted to continue to be able to walk, but didn't want to be confined to a sidewalk. She wanted to be able to get out on uneven ground, and she invented her own. That was pretty good. They've reviewed medical alert systems, medication management devices, let's see, hearing devices, vision devices, and were involved in a study at UCSF regarding dementia technology. So it's a broad range. There is a question here about robotic pets. Has that been a subject that's come up in your discussion groups? It's been discussed, but we didn't pass around samples and have people give their opinions on robotic pets. There is a comment. It says, I am shocked that Apple hasn't come out with a version of the iPhone for older adults. Any comment? Yeah. You know, the phones are so small, it's really difficult for a lot of people to see and to manipulate. So I think a lot of people have tablets that they use, and there are certain tablets that are built to be less complicated and more friendly to older people. And we actually have a review of those on our website as well so that people can select from them. But as far as Apple goes, they are moving into the health field and they're starting to make gains in accommodating people that have hearing loss. And I think that's that's impressive. It's interesting, too. I noticed in the community where I work that I see quite a few people walking around with tablets as opposed to cell phones because Mm -hmm. they can read it. (laughs) So. This is an issue, obviously, we're still working on. In which areas have you seen the most interest by startups, maybe as a trend? A lot of what the startups are doing is basic research around ideas that they have that they want to develop products for. So they're mostly interested in what older adults who are still active and living at home want to see as products that would make it easier for them as they remain in their homes. You know, I've heard people say, well, I wish there were something that would open and close the windows for me, or I wish there were something that would make my bed, or I wish there were something that would bring the groceries up to my apartment from down at the street, that type of thing. Interesting. Interesting. There was a question about why the corporations need to stay confidential 
when you were saying you couldn't really name the names. Well, that's because that was their requirement when they hired us, like a confidentiality agreement. And these are products that are not on the market yet, so they don't want to let, let it out of the bag to have a competitor take it. Uh, a question here, are students involved in innovation or design of products, perhaps? I suspect that from time to time that happens, but mostly it's startup companies that have paid employees or volunteers that eventually will become investors. Okay. One of the questions is curious how you are funded, if you're funded. Oh, I'm curious about that too. The very beginning funding was, you know, from the founders. And as time went on, we began to receive funding from companies that hired us to do workshops or other such informational tasks for them. And at this point, that's where most of the funding comes from that keeps us on the air, as it were. We want to be a website where people come for clear, clean information that's good information, that they don't have to pay a lot of money to get it, and they don't have to be assailed by ads and sales pitches. That kind of goes back to your partner, Richard Caro's scientific background. Yeah, and his sense of business ethics. Because you've always steered away from venture capital, although he is a venture capitalist and well-connected in the field. So it's very interesting to me that, that he stayed very pure on this track and didn't let the money taint the content in any way. Yeah. That's a difficult road to follow. It's a very expensive way to do things for us. But in the long run, I think it's worth a great deal more to be a credible source of information. Years ago, there was a consumer's report, but this is sort of like a tech consumer report in a way. It's trying to create a neutral playing field for products in the same category to be compared, but giving the consumer an opportunity to help make a good decision about the many products in the category. We've actually been contacted by Consumer Reports, and we've been featured in publications by MIT. We're keeping the company we want to keep, and I think that eventually that will pay off. Somebody wanted to know if that off-road walker was readily available. You mentioned earlier that a woman had designed an off-road walker. Her particular model never came to market, but there are other off-road walkers now available. And we have extensive articles about walkers on our website. One of the things that came up at a discussion in Palo Alto was a taller woman who said that she could use a walker, but she did not want it to lean over and hold the handlebars to be steadied. She wanted to be able to stand up. And sure enough, two years later, out came the upright walker, where you can stand up straight and be as tall as you want to be and not have to lean over to be steadied by the walker. So these ideas come out and come to fruition. Do you have any outreach efforts to older adults who are new to getting online? Peer education, your thoughts on how to get more older adults online? Our outreach has been mostly through retirement communities and also village organizations. And of course, their members benefit from what we're doing. That's really been our outreach because we are looking to reach people who are of an age but want to remain living at home and have opportunities to do it safely. Speaking of living at home, it reminds me of an earlier comment 
You said that there's an article about co-housing. I know that at Home with Growing Older, head architect Charles Durrett speak. Is the article on Tech and Hence Life by him? Yes. Charles Durrett is the granddaddy of co-housing. And he wrote our article and he continues to be active in that field. For our audience, what's a quick explanation of co-housing? Because it's an option that more people in the boomer generation seem to be considering. Well, co-housing is an idea of living together that came from Northern Europe and has become popular in this country. It's intentional community. People who are like-minded and want to be in a housing group where they can live separately in units, but also share together common space, space that's designed so that they can be sitting on their front porch. When the neighbors come home from work, they can see them, they can chat, they can talk as opposed to the privacy lifestyle where you drive into your garage and nobody ever sees you come or go. Here's a question. Do you have any intergenerational explorer groups? Not at this time. We don't. Our explorers, they've earned their stripes. They're 75 to 90 or 100. And yet you have spoken at venues like the Commonwealth Club where you do get an audience full of younger tech people who are interested in what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, did that go anywhere? Well, the group at the Commonwealth Club is different because members are all ages there. And we have had people of all ages come to that particular circle. It's not active right now. It was active for several years. But in terms of explorer circles, we have kept it to the upper age group. And speaking of more older adults, Computer interfaces change so quickly. How do you navigate this challenge personally? Well, I've noticed, for example, when you've started some of your discussion groups that people log on early and there's all kinds of tech support that is required, even by people who are pretty tech savvy. So you do spend time helping, but do they talk about the difficulty? Yeah, it's good of you to mention that. The first 30 minutes, prior to the official beginning of our discussion groups is for people to come in with questions, mostly their Apple products, iPhones and Macs and things like that. But more than that, we have a section on our website about finding tech support. And there are a number of resources now that are very helpful, some not so expensive. And older people can find tech support now in a way that they couldn't before. During COVID, some of the best tech support were grandchildren because older adults were trying to get appointments and they didn't know how to navigate the system to get them. And so they'd ask their grandchildren. So that's a rich resource as well, or your own children for that matter. Now that you mentioned grandchildren, we did a project and have an article on apps for grandparents to stay in touch and communicate and share with grandchildren. I'll bet that's very popular especially during these past couple of years. Here's a comment. It's lovely. It would be so wonderful if there were a beautiful physical space where people could see and try out different products. In my dream, this would be a lively community space where people share experiences in coffee. How innovative. Does anything like that exist? Well, it probably does in senior centers. San Francisco Senior Center was very well equipped to do that. So I can contribute maybe something to that. There is the Institute of Human-Centered Design in Boston, which I think 
comes pretty close to the stream. Many products available there to be used, bought, and also has a place for people to hang out. I wish it was here in the Bay Area. John, can I ask you a quick question? Because I'm curious which tech products you use as you grow older. What are your favorite tech products in day-to-day -day life? Well, I'm a PC person. I have a Dell laptop, but in my other life, I'm an Apple person. I have an Apple iPhone and I use AirPods Pro with my phone. And this is impressive on the part of Apple. If you have an iPhone and you have AirPods, you can actually upload an audiogram to the Apple Health app and it will adjust the frequencies in your earphones for whatever frequency of hearing loss you have in either ear. So I find it has helped me. I have mild hearing loss more in one ear than the other. And as things come through the phone and into my AirPods Pro, it makes adjustment for the frequency loss and I can really tell a difference. And I think this is something that's a step toward helping people who really ought to do something about their hearing but don't want to wear a hearing aid or can't afford it. This is an affordable alternative and I think it's a step in the right direction. So. I'm a PC person, but I love my Apple. Thank you. That's really interesting. I had no idea about this. And I'm also wondering if you have any non-digital devices, analog devices, which you use from a stepping stool to maybe a railing. I use nail clippers in particular. I will step up on a stepping stool to get to things, but I won't get on a ladder anymore, which is too bad. But my balance isn't what it used to be. Oh, handrails. Yes. I was not a big handrail person, but now I think it's important to have that kinetic connection to keep your balance. Well, and they were changed from a square kind of format to a round one where you could actually grasp it as you go down stairs. And also shower modifications. We recently remodeled our showers. And even though we don't need it yet, we anticipate it. So we put in Uh, very beautiful rails that you can hold on. They don't have to be those functional nursing type rails. You can actually find some very beautifully designed products. Another non-tech thing that we have or that we don't have is that we don't have carpets or throw rugs. Yeah, in the community where I work, we have the opposite. We have carpets because these are older people and a fall on a hard surface is, can be catastrophic, but we really advise against putting carpets on top of carpets and things of that sort, trip hazards. There is a, another question here. Is there any financial support you know of for people who could use a really wonderful product, but can't afford it, like an off-road walker? I mean, Medicare will pay for things like walkers and hospital beds and things of that sort, but I think what this person is asking is more about lifestyle products rather than medical products. I was just thinking, I love the tool lending library in Berkeley where you can rent for very little money. It would be great if we considered like assistive devices as tools for growing older. I always think of aging as an extreme sport. We need the same sort of tools and gadgets as a mountain climber. I don't know. Does anybody know an assistive tool lending library? Does this exist anywhere? 
it's a marvelous concept. That's what's so wonderful about these discussions. It's almost like we're creating something together that really would have a viable place in our world. That's what's so exciting about the intersection of technology and aging. We have so much that is evolving so quickly that will make our aging life better over time. Any other questions before we wrap up this conversation on technology? Oh, yes. Hope says, I think the San Francisco Public Library lends out tech devices. Now we know what to check into. Thank you. Well, we want to thank you all for bearing with us and learning about tech-enhanced life. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Candice and John, for sharing your experience. So... Thank you all for joining and we'll see you soon. This episode of At Home On Air was produced by the At Home With Growing Older team. We could not host these conversations without the generosity of our marvelous and passionate guests and hosts. Thank you for sharing your personal and professional insights. Thank you to our live audience for your thoughtful contributions. To subscribe to this podcast and for more information, visit us at athomewithgrowingolder.org. Thank you to our sponsors, Rhoda Goldman Plaza, the jewel of San Francisco's assisted living and memory care communities, and the Walnut Foundation, a San Francisco family foundation. We would also like to thank, for their encouragement and inspiration, Encore.org, which works to bridge the intergenerational divide and the Op-Ed Project, whose mission is to change who writes history. At Home with Growing Older strives to educate, inspire, and connect people across generations and disciplines to re-envision and improve the experiences of later life. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in for the next episode.